welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. And yes, we're broadcasting live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, we're a law enforcement talk show. We talk about today's news and issues, and there's a lot of them, and we do it from a law enforcement perspective. Let me introduce you to the crew. Guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, we have Lieutenant Randy Sutton from uh, formerly uh, Las Vegas Metro Police Department, and he's fresh out of the law enforcement summit in Las Vegas. Thanks for being on the show, Randy. We're going to hear a lot more about that coming up in a few. Also, Corporal David D. Grester from the Tampa Bay area in Florida. Thanks, guys. Uh, also, a shout-out to our sponsors. We do have Motion DSP. AUFire.com. We have Gauls and GunLearn.com and Medicare.live. We're fueled by Bang Energy. As a matter of fact, yes, I found a uh, strawberry blast, Bang Energy. Hard to find in the Tampa area, so uh, uh, thanks to Bang for the fuel. Also, a shout-out to Brian Burns with the free press at TampaFP.com for character content and Ray Dietrich with RedVoiceMedia.com. We're streaming to eight locations right now. Three of those belong to Red Voice Media. They have about a million followers on those three Facebook pages alone. So thanks to Ray Dietrich for helping make that happen. And, yeah, we're not missing YouTube too much right now. Uh, guys, great lineup. We have a main story, that, and they have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. You know, uh, Trump, man, I tell you, he's the news is getting eaten up with Trump. And, uh, and there's some stuff, interesting stuff going down. So uh, listen to this main article that's on lawofficer.com. And, you know, I, I'm seeing lawofficer.com. Going a little bit, some of the articles, I'll tell you, I'm not using a lot of them because they're, I don't know, it just, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're, it seems like a lot of the stories they're covering, like the Seattle one that we talked about the other day. And, uh, and now they got this new female, um, that's complaining about, um, how she was treated when she was in law enforcement. It just sounds like guys being guys in law enforcement. I, it seems like they're getting a little soft over there. Um, I don't know what's going on, but this story, it seemed to be pretty good. Former President Donald Trump says that robbers can expect to be shot. All right. So listen to this. So Anaheim, California. So in a fiery and sometimes profane speech at the Anaheim Convention Center on Friday, former President Donald Trump said that if he were president again, the people savagely looting stores could expect to be shot on sight. So the title says robbers. So I don't know if that's just something that law officer got wrong or, or not, but that, of course, that would not be a robbery. It would be a, a theft or shoplifting. But uh, the comments come after cities across America are seeing uh, a spike in violent crime and retail theft. So lower penalties combined with weak prosecutors are just a few of the factors that have led to the phenomenon. And it says that we will immediately stop all of the pillaging and theft. And this is what Trump said during remarks at the California GOP fall convention in Anaheim on Friday. And here's another quote, very simply, uh, and this is what Trump's explaining, very simply, if you rob a store, you can fully expect to be shot as you're leaving that store. Shot. So I guess it was Trump that used the word rob. Um, and of course, that would certainly be justified. Uh, but we know it goes a little bit deeper than, than the robbery. The crowd of about 1,500 Republicans responded to the proposal with chance of Trump. So he's, uh, he's still got the support. Any commentary on that, guys? What do you guys think? And, and how, how does this affect? I mean, could you imagine? If you had the right to protect personal property or your storefront with deadly force, you think that would you think uh, that would uh, curb the uh, the violence and the and the retail theft going on, Randy? Hell, yes, it would. You know, during the uh, during the riots that took place in the uh, uh, in California, in LA, and and uh, Rodney King days, and just prior to that, <clears throat> the store owners did, in fact utilized deadly force to protect their stores. Um, and there was a massive body count that didn't get a whole lot of public attention. But if the, if the uh, store owners 
and um, security was allowed to actually utilize deadly force, you, you, you see an end to this uh, probably overnight. Unfortunately, it'll never happen because of the liberal policies and laws of the, uh, of the state of California and other places. So um, not happening unless you can justify it. And there are times when deadly force would be justified during when you're being attacked in the store. So, you know, I think if, if that were to happen even once or twice, it would be uh, it would put a real damper on the on the, uh, the the what I call mass criminality events. This isn't shoplifting. This isn't retail theft. This is a mass criminality event. Thanks. For, and, and, you know, David, it's I know it's a legislative thing uh, unless someone if you could think of anyone that would have the, the ability to maybe pardon someone that was actually arrested for something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, the interesting, the interesting thing is that if you look back in history, um, what Randy was talking about, the, the, some of the riots in LA and, and whatnot, just look up rooftop Koreans. That's what <laughs> you need to look up. And it was the, the community, you know, I, I don't know if they were all Korean, Asian, what, what the exact nationality was, but, but they were dubbed the rooftop Koreans. And they had a community in, in L.A. that came under attack by these uh, this mass massive criminals roaming the city and the police couldn't do anything about it or wouldn't do anything about it. And they took matters into their own hands and they they stopped them. They weren't going to allow their their livelihoods to be destroyed by you know, nothing but blatant criminal activity. So yes, it does work. Uh, back historically, you had, you look in, in, in Florida, uh, hurricanes would go through. You'd have areas that were, that were somewhat devastated by a storm and homeowners would put up signs. You, you come in this neighborhood, looters are going to be shot. You know, we're not going to stand for it. And what happened? Yeah, they didn't. So would it work? Yes, absolutely. Um, again, it would, it would, it would end up turning into someone like Trump getting in office, having the legislature behind him or with him, and passing a national uh, law that that superseded, you know, that that put those types of things under federal jurisdiction. If you acted this way, it, it became it came under federal jurisdiction, oh. and the laws under federal jurisdiction were this: that if you were involved in this kind of an act of, of activity, you could be shot. Uh, you know, and there would be no state law that could do anything about it kind of a thing. Um, we, we see similar laws being enacted in a few states where, uh, what was it, a little while ago they talked, was it Tennessee or Kentucky or one of those places where if, if you as an idiot stood in the road and tried to block a highway and got waffled by a car coming down the street, there was no, there was no uh, repercussion for you. There, there was no recourse for you. Um, the repercussions were, were, yeah. were immense, but there was no yeah. recourse for you as far as if you were engaged in that type of behavior, got hit by a car. Sorry. Sorry about your luck. So, that was Florida, by the way. I, well, yeah, it, Florida has one. And so does I think the first one to do it was either Tennessee or Kentucky or one of those one of those states up there right from the beginning from, from the beginning. But then other states came along. Florida's part of it or they have a, a law similar to it. Yeah. Thanks, Jimmy. Um, and so do they work? Yes, they do. Uh, as long as you allow people to protect themselves in such a way where they are not going to be subject to these, these liberal state prosecutors that, that are then going to, you know, persecute via prosecution. So, um, it, it would work. Absolutely. I'm all for it. 
you know, it's one of those things where you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere and say, no more, we're done. Well, that would be, I mean, we're, it would just be amazing to watch that go down if he got elected back in but, the office. Yeah, it, well, assuming that all that happened and it, that some sort of federal law was enacted, you'd never see it because it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. Everybody You're would right. go, oh, we're done. Oh, we're done. But even if Trump on the day was on the day on the day he took office, he said, "Look, I'm working to get legislation passed. In the meantime, yeah. if anyone does this, I'll I'll use my presidential pardon skill, you know, uh, abilities or whatever. It would it would end overnight." Um, yeah, yeah, you, don't to, you don't want to be that test case. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, I I wouldn't want to either. Um, I you know, we'll leave that to like Randy and the people out in Las Vegas. They would, yeah, they would be all over that. So, yeah. well, you you have one problem with that theory. That is that the president cannot pardon for state charges. Oh, I, that's a good point. Yeah, I I did forget that one. Good, yeah. good thought though. Yeah. All right. Well, Brainy just ruined that one. So, all right. Let's just let's let's come up with another topic. I see if Randy can ruin this one for us too. Okay. Let's see. Next story. All right, Randy, are you paying attention? Let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, LeoAffairs.com. So we have a North Carolina deputy fired after discharging a weapon while trying to arrest a car thief. We've got like three stories where some cops have uh, gotten in a jam. Um, and, and some of these are really, I'll tell you, really enlightening. Uh, a, a Johnston County Sheriff's Office deputy has been terminated after he fired his weapon multiple times, not just once, multiple times at a carjacking suspect who was unarmed and fleeing. So now we got more information. So former deputy Christopher Adcock was issued a letter of termination on Friday following an investigation, according to the Sheriff Steve Bazell. So Deputy Adcock terminated days after the sheriff learned that he fired his gun five times in an attempt to shoot an unarmed suspect who was being chased in an alleged stolen vehicle. Adcock first shot once, then four more times from inside his patrol car at a group of suspects who fled from the stolen car. So they're out of the car. Uh, the suspects uh, hit Deputy Adcock's vehicle before fleeing into rural fields. The incident happened about 1230 in the morning, so it's, it's middle of the night, uh, Monday, as a police chase ended in a field near the town of Princeton. The sheriff's office was assisting the North Carolina Highway Patrol. You know, those troopers, they always start this crap, and we got to clean it up for them. The North Carolina Highway Patrol in a vehicle pursuit with the suspect. So it was started by the troopers and, uh, and picked up by the SO. In firing his weapon, Deputy Adcock broke departmental policies to the sheriff's office regarding the discharge of firearms and use of force. Sheriff Brazil specifically cited training, determined state laws, in North Carolina, uh, general statutes that govern the use of guns by law enforcement officers. So he was uh, jammed up uh, by state law as well. He was originally hired by the sheriff's office in March of uh, 27th and back in 2017. So he had, what, about almost six years on. Um, so that's the story. We're going to do a commercial break. We're going to come back and talk about this. We'll be right back. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for their robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software is easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automating tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. Now, Spotlight is built specifically for redaction, designed to work with video from any camera source, and using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, and it saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction and forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patent super-resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get forensically valid evidence from just low-quality video in minutes instead of hours. So you learn more about all these products and all these capabilities by simply going 
to motiondsp.com. Again, that's motiondsp.com. So, hey, that brings us to aufire.com. It stands for Accuracy Under Fire. And, of course, aufire.com is where it's at. So, aufire is the gold standard in tactical simulation for the first time ever. Agencies and Leos can safely simulate being hit by gunfire, knives, or other objects in AUFIRE's dynamic force-on-force scenarios. If you've ever wondered how the train officers in real-life situations, this is your chance. Now you can, and all while improving their decision-making, return fire accuracy, and life preservation skills, go to AUFIRE.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, still live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Um, guys, that was the story. Got Can't wait to hear the uh, the feedback on it. We got a cop getting jammed up for shooting at a fleeing carjacking suspect, Randy Sutton. Well, it sounds like this was a real goat rope. You'll notice how I cleaned that word up. And um, there was also some mention about um, police officers being uh, in the in the line of fire as well. So you can you can imagine what a mess this this sounds like, especially opening fire from from his vehicle so um i don't know i mean termination seems like a pretty pretty rough uh response to this i mean i would think that you know there would be additional training perhaps but we don't know what the history is of this of this police officer and we don't know what the uh you know what the the true circumstances were other than it sounds like it was a mess yeah dave yeah, um, one of our streamers, Nancy Avila. Where have you been all my life? Goodness <laughs> gracious. Um, you know, that just looking at the story in and of itself and not having any more information than what's in that article, um, they 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 paint a pretty not a great picture of this of this uh deputy or this officer's performance under stress. But um, you know, that being said, w- without any more detail beyond that, we we're kind of we're kind of stuck with what the article tells us. So uh, whether it was a knee-jerk reaction, you know, just fire him and get rid of him and, and let him fight to get his job back because it wasn't quite as bad as they're making it out to be. I, I don't know. Um, they're going to have to grind that out. I, you know, I feel bad when the officer uh, apparently crumbles like that. But you can see the frustration when when the reaction is like that. Um, you know, or I know, uh, just from from experience and and seeing what's going on in in law enforcement today and the the, as we talked about before, the weak prosecutors and the slaps on the wrists that these uh, criminals get, the frustration that starts to build within a, a cop's chest that um, at, at, at the wrong minute, it, they they snap or they lose control and they do something like this that is otherwise out of character, hopefully. Uh, like Randy said, we don't know who this guy is or what his past is, but, uh, and then they, they pop and they lose control, and this happens, and then they pay the price for it. So it's a, it's a difficult situation to see, understanding what I believe to be the the root cause of it. But um, it, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, I I know when I started my law enforcement career, and and it it it, it probably was the same with you too, David. I would imagine you could still shoot a fleeing felon in Florida. It just was against our department policy. So we, of course, you know, we didn't do it. But if we did it. We could could not would not have been charged by the state because of it. But laws change, and of course, if if this guy was shooting and uh, and other officers were in the backdrop and stuff, there's certainly a problem with that. Um, and I know sometimes when you wear that hat as chief of sheriff, you know sometimes you just feel like, look, I'm better off covering my butt legally from future legislate, you know, from future litigation 
if I let this guy go and if he deserves to get his job back, let him go to arbitration or whatever to get it back. So I, um, uh, yeah, hearing all that five shot, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. Uh, but, uh, look, uh, moving along. Thanks for the commentary, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to a couple of stories that have a video component and look, it's hard to find a good story today that doesn't. And our favorite law enforcement video channel, it's on rumble and it's called, this is butter. And this is butter's typically on the stream conversing with us as well. So I'll watch for those, um, body cam shows multiple warnings for a burglary suspect that dropped the knife before being shot in Tucson. So authorities have identified a man fatally shot earlier this month by the Pima County deputy during a break-in call. And man, uh, yeah, it, it goes down, but he's inside. So Ronaldo Carbala Morales, he's 33 years old, dies August the 6th in Tucson from the gunfire of Deputy Delmar Castillo, a two-year member of the Sheriff's Office. About 11.15 p.m., so almost midnight, deputies respond to a home about an ex-boyfriend trying to enter forcefully as a family member remained inside the house. So deputies entered the home um, after not receiving a response to the orders in English and in Spanish from this bad guy who's Carbala Morales, and they were trying to get him to exit, no response. So deputies go inside, they find him in the bedroom, realize that he's armed with a knife and laying on the bed on his back, um, proceeded to order him to drop the weapon. He does not comply with the order. So then Carbala Morales stands up. Still has his knife in his hand. He's standing and he's like facing deputies. They're still, I mean, they're they're pumping and full of orders to drop the knife and stuff to stay back. And he and he's he's just you know talking with them, waving the knife around. And eventually he advances towards the deputies, prompting Deputy Castillo to shoot him. And he dies at the scene. Family member inside the home was unharmed. That's the way this goes down. Clear, clear, crystal clear video footage of this. And look for our radio and podcast listeners. That's why we describe in great detail what's going on. The produced version of the show with the video embedded in it will be at nine o'clock tomorrow morning on rumble. But that said, Corporal David. Um, you know, from the, from the get go, a, like you said, very crystal clear video, which, which makes it nice and a very clear cut example of bringing a knife to a gunfight and losing that fight, which this guy did. He was saying, kill me, kill me, kill me in Spanish. Uh, so he had obviously had some some uh, issues there, but uh, sometimes we have to give people what they ask for, and he and this officer deputy did. I, you know, it's unfortunate it went down this way. I hope, I hope and pray that what wh whoever the prosecutor is in this area of Arizona isn't one of those ones that says, well, you know, you could have, should have, would have, could have, maybe, possibly done something different. Uh, you know, the deputy did what I always say they should do, and that's once you have them in the box, keep them in the box. Don't let them out of that containment. If it's a bedroom, you keep them in the bedroom. You're not going to let them out. 
If it's if it's a uh, you know a corner where you've got him against a wall, you keep him there so that if it goes south, you can act and you've got him contained. He's not running down the street with a knife in his hand. So for in, in that regard, they did a very good job. You know, people say, well, why? You know, could it, couldn't somebody have used a taser or something? Yeah, sure. If there was another deputy there that came up behind this deputy with the firearm and said, hey, I'm gonna. I'm going to squat down and, and shoot it and try to tase him from between your legs. And if he flinches, you smoke him. It's like, okay. You know, I think Brett and I had done that a couple of times, but anyways, <laughs> I digress. The, so if, it, you know, if you have a scenario like that, where he's not advancing and he's standing there with a knife in his hand, but he's not complying and you can get another deputy in there to take a, a taser shot. Fine. But I'm not coming off the gun. And the minute that he does something wrong, you're going to put him down, which it didn't go that way. But, Again, perfectly justified shooting. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Time for our uh, second commercial break. We got some more good stuff coming. Stick with us. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right. Certainly by now, if you guys have been watching or listening to the show for any amount of time, you're familiar with Gauls and not just Gauls, but the new Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform, clothing, equipment, and gear provider for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear. And as our panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett, always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So uh, I know, Corporal David, I know you're a huge fan of Gauls. What's going on at Gauls this week? Man, they've got a sale on some uh, sling packs. And these are the these are these packs, these small packs, these EDC packs, go bag packs that you guys can use keeping your cars, your trucks. They've got several on sale. There's, I mean, some really nice stuff in here to put all your essential gear in for your daily carry. I mean, good sales and good good products. So you got it straight from the de-escalator at gulls.com slash Leo. Go there, get that cool gear before someone else buys them out. All right, guys, welcome back. Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. All right, we just got talking <laughs> talking about a use of force. Any commentary? Randy and Randy, either, either way, Randy, if, if no commentary on that, then I, I want to hear all about the summit and how that went down. Well, commentary on the uh, on the video, I felt like I was watching uh, an episode of Telemundo. <laughs> wow, that brings back a memory. Wow. <laughs> you know, but in all seriousness, what that what that reveals is that more and more police officers um, have to have to have Spanish-speaking officers um, available for calls like this because, you know, uh, with, without having, if, if there had been only only English-speaking officers, this would have, this could have escalated to uh, not just the shooting, but then calls for why weren't they able to communicate in, in, the, in the, the language of the suspect. So it shows that the, the realities of policing are that really have to have bilingual officers on on a lot of these on a lot of these capers so um as far as the summit goes the third annual national law enforcement survival summit uh, was held last week it ended uh friday night it was an incredible summit the participation level was higher than any other year uh and the um the number of officers who were there that had been severely injured the line of duty was uh, was incredible, and they got so much out of the the summit and the incredible presenters. We had Dave Grossman there. We had Dave and Bessie Smith. We had Glenn Morshower, the actor, gave an opening that was amazing. 
it was truly uh, for me personally it was uh it was uplifting and inspiring because of the people who attended and their level of participation and the stories that they told it was it was a very very moving um and impactful summit and uh did a lot of good i had people come up to me afterward and uh, we actually got a couple people into treatment um wow. uh, in, inpatient treatment during during the summit so this was really really had a had a huge effect on the people that attended we're already starting to market for next year so go to the woundedblue.org uh we'll have uh we'll, we'll be starting to take registrations immediately because i know next year it's going to be it's going to be tough to get in because there's the participation levels gotten so high yeah, so you sold out, and uh, which is great news. And you said it's—I think you said it was the uh, at least off camera that you thought it was the best one. And this is your third one. The next one, number four, is that going to be the venue? Is it going to be in Las Vegas again? Yep, it's going to be the fabulous Ahern Hotel, which is just an amazing hotel, and uh, it's a—it's—it's it's gambling free, uh, phenomenal restaurants. They are true patriots. And they treat the, the police really, really well. It's so convenient, unlike some of those massive hotels. This is a small boutique hotel that caters to, to uh, small conventions. And, uh, and it's unlike any other property in Las Vegas. Have wow. some amazing restaurants, too. Okay. All right. Excellent. And 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 I I hear is there there's a rumor going around that you took a picture with uh, George Ishak, one of our one of our you know followers here. Is there any truth to that at all? Or I took so many pictures with so many people. <laughs> <All> <laughs> I right. can't even tell you. So so I so we'll just end on this note. If anyone has any compromising photographs of Randy that you want to share <laughs> with us, you guys have my email address. So <laughs> so uh, so David, did you want to add something on the story? I saw your mic when when open and closed, but uh, is there anything you want to add before we move on to our next one? No, not, not really. I mean, I really made the comment about, you know, bilingual police officers. I know when I was an FTO, had a, had a Spanish speaking, F, had a Spanish speaking FTO that taught me just enough Spanish to deal with that situation. You know, don't move, raise your hands, uh, those sort of things. Um, and, and as Randy said, I would strongly recommend that any officer on the street now do that, get a, just a very small, just, a very few words that will that will let you get through a scenario where you can testify that you told them not to move, raise your hands, uh, you know, drop the gun. Any those phrases right there will get you through a lot. I you know also knew how to you know in a traffic stop to get a driver's license, registration, insurance cards, things of that nature. Just the the few things that'll get you through a lot. Good good advice. Good advice helps keep you out of a jam and help, helps keep the agency out of a jam too. So guys. Moving along here, let's see our next one. Uh, we also have a video component. It's on Police One this time, though. It says, video shows a suspect point a gun at officers during a standoff, and it's in a parking garage. I think he's, I think he's pointing something at us. Crude aerial system was deployed and captured the individual pointing the firearm at officers again. Copy that. Obviously, if we, obviously if we feel like he's targeting or directly threatening us. He said, give him a little bit of leeway when he's waving the gun around. Stand it up, stand it up. Point the gun. So, 
Yeah, so we're in we're in California, right? I mean, that's where we. If the, if it wasn't for the state of California, we would we would not even have half the content on the show, right? But the Sacramento Police Department released body worn video footage on Wednesday showing the events leading up to the shooting death of an armed man on September the twelfth in a downtown parking garage. So it gives a glimpse inside the four and a half hour standoff that happened between a uh, Cleveland Miles, who was thirty six years old, and officers. In the early morning hours near downtown Commons, it's one of Sacramento's most uh, popular shopping destinations. It's known as uh, Doco. Uh, so the standoff stems from a 911 call. They came in at 1 o'clock in the morning reporting a man that was trying to get into the Citizen Hotel about a mile east. Um, hotel security guards prevented the man's entry, then reported to a 911 dispatcher that they saw the guy pull an object from his pants and heard a subsequent gunshot. So a second 911 call goes off. A security guard at the nearby downtown Commons parking garage reports to a dispatcher that a man matching the same description uh, from the disturbance at the Citizen Hotel had pointed a gun in his face. Um, so officers, they um, get at the scene. They use the patrol cars to create cover as they try to contact Miles. An officer can be heard saying, hey, yo, he's pointing something at us. This goes on for like a couple minutes, right? He's telling the other guys, hey, I think that guy's pointing something. So a second officer eventually can be heard saying, hey, drop what's in your hand, sir. Sir, can you drop the gun? Like a question mark. Like he's not sure. Drop the gun and put your hands in the air. We're here to help. We're here to resolve this peacefully. Um, And then police, they deploy a drone. So we've got another pretty good use of a drone to get a better visual of our bad guy, Miles, as he's standing on top of a concrete stairwell enclosure in the northeast corner of the parking garage. So the drone footage shows him sitting on the enclosure, moving to inspect the stairwell beneath him, using a cell phone or a flashlight to illuminate the area. And then at least you hear uh, two gunshots can be heard on the uh, body cam footage. And then SWAT moves from uh, from cover uh, to put a PA system in place. And you've got another video. And as soon as the SWAT guy moves from cover where our bad guy, Miles, can see him, Miles stands up at the same time. And within one second of the officer moving from behind this uh, concrete pillar, it was the SWAT officer had a rifle and uh, you heard him uh, saying, hey, pointing the rifle. And then he fires one round at the bad guy because the bad guy was going to take the cop out. Miles falls to the ground or bad guy thrashes for a few seconds before the officers and paramedics render aid. But he's pronounced dead at the scene. That's the way that goes down. Um, the co- most comical part about all this is just all the com, and I didn't, I didn't mention all of them. All the comments of people saying, "Hey, I think he's pointing something. Could that be a gun? I think he's pointing something at us, Randy." I know. <laughs> come on, Randy. This this encounter should have lasted five minutes. <laughs> they, they should have smoked this guy within five minutes of, of receiving this call. I, I was. Talk about talk about a, 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 a an encounter that um, careful where, where the officers their their the command of their language was was just I can't I was I was going crazy can, excuse me sir can you please drop can you please drop the gun sir are you kidding me shoot him yeah shoot him. What 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 was going through their minds? I can't. Uh, are they? They're so they're so cowed by the by the the well of the unfortunate realities of California, where everything they do will be scrutinized to the point where where they'll be literally be prosecuted. There's no doubt that that was what was their their training and their actions 
were not based on officer safety or the safety of the public, but because of the of the um, the, the concerns of, of being either prosecuted or uh, or fired by their department because this was just nuts. Yeah, prosecuted for having on the wrong color underwear that day. That's oh. the way that it works out there. Um, you know, the, Randy touched on it, but here's a guy standing on the, at the top or on a in in or on a parking garage. And I couldn't see from the video too much detail, but I could see other buildings, other windows of other buildings around him where where this bad guy was standing, firing off rounds, at least two, maybe three, and these officers are acting like. Oh, oh well, he's he's shooting. Uh, oh, oh well, he's not shooting at us. We're, we're we're safe back here. Oh well, what about the people that live in those buildings that are in those windows that have families or children or whatnot? No concern whatsoever. Um, it, that was the that was one of the ridiculous parts, and we'll get to the other ridiculous parts when we get back from commercial break. But yeah, all right, More yeah, leave it. Leave it to California. All right. Hey, guys, time for our last commercial break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Gunlearn.com, though, they've taken the confusion out of learning. They've actually made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offers a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, competent, and accurate certified firearm specialist. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy in their training. It's approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can attend a live seminar at no cost. So, start training your agency and your cops at no cost by going to gunlearn.com. Come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world. Gunlearn.com. Check it out if you haven't been there before. Gunlearn.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, guys. Yes, live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Corporal David, continue on. Yeah, the, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I was trying to see. I thought somewhere in the article it said how far away the SWAT officer was when he took the shot. I don't know if he had set up near where the other, the first officers on scene were. Or what the distance was um, in that scenario. If, if if nobody, if none of the officers had a, a rifle and they were 85, 90, 100 feet away from this guy, okay, I can understand not taking those shots with a pistol. But most patrol officers, I don't know for certain because this was in Sacramento, the actual belly of the beast out there. So um, you know, it's kind of hard to say what their what their uh, deployment equipment was in that place really hard to say but the SWAT officer didn't play that was the one good that was the one shining moment in, in all of this uh he was set up with his with his rifle and as soon as the guy flinched the wrong way he put him down with a single shot which you know God, wow at least there's somebody out there that does it right so hopefully it all comes out I mean there are at least four or five different <laughs> groups are investigating so hopefully everything comes out out all right for all of them and and uh, they don't, you know, they don't uh, tw back guess 2020 hindsight guess these guys, but the the SWAT officers at least did a good job. And you know, um, producer Jimmy, I just on you know on our way out to the break, he mentioned you know binoculars. I I uh, you know I thought the same I thought the same thing, but then uh, you know a lot of people don't realize that you know we have let's just say you have a long gun. You know, a lot of guys might think you automatically have a scope on that. Well, there's 
at least I don't know where it's at the ratio. Now, a lot of agencies, um, when I was active, would not let you have, if you're SWAT, all bets are off. You carry what, you know, you have your, your gun, your, your, your rifle tricked out. Uh, but a lot of cops just had to use iron sights, weren't allowed to have scopes or red dot lasers or stuff like that. So, um, or, or sites of magnification. So I don't know where that's at today. I know there's still agencies that don't allow it, but I don't know what, and of course out in California, who knows what they allow out there, but it's, it's not always an easy answer because they may not have the equipment you think, or not, may not be allowed to use the equipment you think that they should, they should be able to have on their guns. David, do you know what they're, what they're doing typically? No, right I, I don't. I, I know I'm, I'm pretty sure most patrol officers are not going to have true scopes. The most are the most, I say the most, the, the most, a sighting system. item sighting system they're going to use are probably going to be red dots or, or halos, you know, the, the holographic type sites. And there's all sorts of them out there that are a, that are AR platform friendly that, that they use for quick target acquisition and, and getting rounds on that target. Usually, you know, in a, in a fairly close range, we're not talking about hundreds of yards. If you're in that sort of sort of situation, you know, out in outside of Las Vegas, I mean, you know, maybe Rainey's guys would use scopes in those type of scenarios because you you might be in a a very rural and you might have a long distance shot in a in a very wide open type of environment. But those are going to be kind of that agency by agency kind of a kind of a thing. I think these days. All right. Well, excellent. Thanks, guys. Hey, now while we're at it, before we go to our uh, update article, I got something. I want to cover for uh, Sheriff Grady Judd, who you know came on the on the show June first um, on Police One. Uh, Florida sheriff's blind coffee tasting leads to Judd Java Brew. Pretty, it's pretty warm. <laughs> okay, cleanse my palate. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know that one tastes like it's got a grapefruit taste to it. These just taste like coffee. I can tell the difference in the blend. And what it tastes like. So similar to wine. That's pretty strong there. This has got some kind of rich smell to it. (laughs) This smells like someone's armpit. (laughs) You guys doing your job allows us to do our job, right? We all need each other in the community, but it's really good to have somebody that goes out and does their job so that my family's safe so that I can create this for you guys and, and give back to you guys and just be here for it. Um, it's really an amazing thing for me. Now, look, I'm at the Boss Hog Radio Network, um, seven stations under our belt here. And, uh, you know, we are very, uh, well, we cover Polk County, which is uh, where, you know, Sheriff Judd is at. Uh, Bartow, Florida, uh, a coffee brew uh, named after a Florida sheriff known for his often funny and sometimes controversial comments will help raise money for the county's canines and we love canines you guys know that and this is uh uh k-i-r-o-7 report so polk county sheriff's office sheriff grady judd gained internet notoriety for his comical blunt comments during news conferences we all know about that the judd java brew will be added to the menu at dark horse coffee company where in plant city which is where i'm at right now half the proceeds made from people purchasing the coffee will be donated to canines for cops which is in Polk County, according to the WFLA. And Canines for Cops was founded in 2011. It's purchased 23 dogs for Polk County's unit in the 11 years. Uh, canines are the tip of the spear, according to Grady Judd. They are often leading the way in the danger protecting their partners and the citizens they serve. 
And Sheriff Judd tested the brew options for Judd Java himself, commenting that one sample smelled like someone's armpit. He did say that. I watched it. Ultimately, he chose the Ethiopian blend. Uh, it, it's a uh, there's a little clip to it that we'll have, you know, nine o'clock in the morning on a Rumble channel. But it was a pretty uh, uh, a pretty interesting uh, clip, David. Yeah, our, our man Grady. Listen, I, I I saw this and thought about him when they were talking about some of his press conferences, and immediately made me think about our main story today. When, when Trump was saying that robbers can be expected to be shot, and I'm thinking, man, even Trump is channeling Grady Judge, the, Grady Judge <laughs> these days. Even Trump is going is using his using his material. So it's just listen, Grady's a Grady Judd is is a, is a is quite an impressive individual when it comes to being the sheriff of of an Apple County. Uh, there needs to be a lot more like him, telling the truth. Uh, you know. Uh, Speaking it, telling it like it is, and uh, he's he's a, a great leader out there in Polk County for them. Agreed. And uh, hey, thanks, uh, thanks, Sheriff Judd, for uh, coming on the show as well. Um, so, guys, moving along. Uh, according to an attorney, a deputy within the law when he hit teens playing ding dong ditch prank, which I've never even heard of this thing before. Uh, so when I, I read the title, it said deputy within the law, and then I read what went down. I think the deputy's within the law, but this is what the, the deputy's attorney saying, apparently. So a Delaware state police trooper has been charged with multiple crimes after he reportedly beat a 15-year-old who rang the doorbell of his home, and then he ran away, a prank known apparently as the ding-dong ditch. So trooper Dempsey uh, Walters, 29 years old, he's facing felony counts of second-degree assault and deprivation of civil rights and two misdemeanor counts of third-degree assault and two misdemeanor counts of official misconduct, according to USA Today. So Walters has been suspended without pay during the investigation into the incident. Um, so listen how this goes down. According to CBS News Philadelphia, the incident happened on August 21st at his home, at Deputy Walters' home. Video from a ring uh, doorbell camera shows the teenager whose face was covered. He runs up to the door, rings the doorbell, and then kicks the door before he turns around and runs away. Deputy Walters' girlfriend was actually at the home at the time when the incident occurred, and she calls police. Walters reportedly joined the police in searching for the teenager and three other people. So ABC6 reports that Deputy Walters, he first goes to the home of a 17-year-old uh, male whom he had had an argument with days earlier, and he's accused of grabbing the teenager, throwing him to the ground, injuring him, and then handcuffing him, but the teen was never charged. So when Deputy Walters found out that the police had arrested uh, the 15-year-old suspect, which was, you know, another male, because remember the one we're talking about that he grabbed was 17 years old, or that he allegedly grabbed. When he finds out that they grabbed the 15-year-old suspect, he goes to where the police had him in custody and on the ground in handcuffs. And this is reported by 10 Philadelphia. Prosecutors say the deputy Walters dropped, knee, dropped his knee on the back of the teen's neck and head. And when the teen was placed into the backseat of the patrol car, that the deputy reportedly punched the handcuffed teenager in the face. And the punch fractured the teenager's right eye socket. Um, it goes on to say the deputy Walters pled not guilty to the uh, charges on Tuesday. Uh, wow, we got a minute and a half. Um, I hate to leave the show on this note, but uh, yeah. So the, the, the attorney says that it was well within the deputy's uh, legal right. Lieutenant Randy Sutton. The, the, the attorney's a moron. Even, even saying it sounds stupid. Uh, this is, uh, unfortunately, a serious misconduct issue. Punching a handcuffed prisoner, not even your prisoner, not even your prisoner, but because you were personally involved in the caper. Um, all bad, nothing good. Um, he's gone. That's the end of it. Now, I'm surprised you didn't use your famous line. I mean, you're, you, when you do your Grady Judd impersonation, you say, write the check. Write the, write the check. There it goes. <laughs> yeah, an, another example, we, uh, we talked about it earlier at a, on a different story, uh, 
a, a frustrated, angry cop um, losing control. And that's basically what it was. I mean, if you had a ring doorbell and you saw what was going on, you knew what was what what the scenario was. It wasn't as if you could say you, you thought it was a, a home invasion that that, you know, that failed or some such thing. You saw what it was. Uh, so you, you lost control and now you're going to pay the price. It's, it's difficult, frustrating and difficult. Yeah. I, and I would, I would say training, 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 but this is not even really a training thing. This is, uh, you know, he knew better. Yeah. yeah. yeah for us, it's, it's, it, it's frustration, anger and frustration. And, yeah. uh, you let it get the best of you. So guys, just be sharp, learn. When we tell you about stories like this, just learn, keep it in your mind. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take prescription medication from my wife because I have something, you know, going on and, and I don't have a drug for it. So I'm going to take prescription medication. Then you go and you take a, a urine test at work and you get jammed up. And, and here's another tip. When, when you and, talk and we're, over, we're, we're on Randy's time, but go ahead, David. Yeah. When, when you talk about these EDC bags from Gauls, get one from there that's black. Chip uses like one of his wife's old purses over his shoulder. That Don't do that. That's another thing not to do. Hey, not just anybody could pull that off, David. But uh, hey, the Wounded Blue, um, you got about uh, 15, 20 seconds, Randy. All right. If you want to help the Wounded Blue, you want to help injured and disabled officers across this country, go to thewoundedblue.org. See who we are, see what we do. Hit that donate button. And if you're an officer struggling, contact us. That's why we're here. Excellent. Hey, a shout out to Motion DSP, AUFire.com, Gauls, Gunlearn.com, and Medicare.live, Bang Energy. Thanks for the fuel. Hey, Brian Burns with uh, TampaFP.com, RedVoiceMedia.com. Thanks for carrying the content. See you guys tomorrow.